Hey all, welcome to Obsessed, and today you're going to stop making excuses no matter what your age and live a life that is bigger, better, and braver. Today, we meet Nancy Picard, and at age 60, she climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. So what's stopping you? What are your excuses? What's holding you back? Get ready, Obsessors, because today is going to be one amazing episode. And don't forget to tap on those five stars. Show us the love so we can keep delivering content directly to your ears weekly. Guys, get obsessed with your life. Hey guys, welcome to Obsessed. Think of us as your personal development entourage, all wrapped up into one podcast. If you're committed to your personal development and believe your life is meant for more, then get ready to learn the tools you need to elevate this experience called life. Get obsessed with your life, just like us. We are Tia, Tristan, Mika, and Julie, and we are obsessed with humans on the verge of change. Hi, I'm Tristan, and I'm obsessed with your emotional well-being. Nancy Picard, I mean, just everything I know about you, you are living such a bold life and your Bigger, Better, Braver, the book is an international bestseller. I am so honored to have you here. And we start our, every episode with asking our guests this one question. What are you obsessed with? Oh, wow. I'm actually obsessed with living Bigger, Better, Braver. Like I can tell you that Ever since I wrote the book, the universe has been throwing bigger, better, braver in my face. So you think you're bigger, better, braver? Can you do this? So I've been obsessed with actually um, saying yes, just stepping in, ignoring the imposter syndrome voice in the back and stepping in and just growth. So I'm obsessed with growth. Obsessed with growth. And I always say, if you're not growing, you're dying. So, yeah, I mean, your path, you didn't just, you weren't just born bigger, better, braver, you know, how, no. how does one get to that? Because, you know, even when we feel we are living that life, we get knocked down from our pedestal, like inevitably. Always. Yeah. So tell us all a little bit about your story, if you will. <laughs> My knockdown? No. Yeah. So, you're knocked down. Yeah. <laughs> I always love the knockdown story because <laughs> yeah. it makes me feel better about myself. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody, everybody. So we all fall, right? We all fall. So I was, I got married young and I was married 26 years and I married the love of my life and we had two sons and we were really like living the life. We started with no money and, you know, 26 years in, we were successful. Our life was full and rich and my ex-husband just had one of those huge midlife crises and no longer wanted the life he was living, which included me. And uh, it just knocked me to my knees. I wasn't prepared. He's, it's, I just never saw it coming. He's not the kind of man that I thought would ever you know, want out of our marriage. I thought we had it all going on. I thought I had always remained the fun, sexy girlfriend to him, you know, all of the things that I thought you should do, which doesn't stop things from happening. And I stayed the victim in my story for a really long time. I just, it's not like I didn't go out and keep dating and moving, but I was very other referenced. And if he no longer wanted me, then I no longer wanted me. 
So the journey for me took a long time to remember who I was and to learn to love and honor and trust myself again. And that's probably the biggest part of my journey was to become self-referenced instead of other referenced and to stop being this overdoer, overpleaser, you know, believing that I had to do everything for everybody else to be safe. And that was all part of my journey. So um, I am now like unapologetically empowered woman and I love what I do and I love helping others. And I would not be a coach. I would not be doing what I'm doing today if everything had not happened exactly as it had. Well, I find that so powerful. And what stuck out to me is that you said that you stayed the victim in your own story. And that speaks to how we narrate our lives and the narration in terms of making choices and living a life less than what we're meant to live. And without that flip of the switch, if you will, and you remained a victim, you wouldn't be able to first of all, you would have never thought of the book, Bigger, Better, Braver, but right. you would, you'd be just living milder, meek and mediocrity, right? Instead right. of Bigger, Better, Braver. Yeah. How, I mean, how do you, looking back on that story, because it must have been such a shock for you after being married for so long to just, boom, pop into, be thrust into a new life, forced into new choices. Yeah, it's not easy, but it makes me a really good coach because I'm very compassionate to other people being in the victim of their story. And I help them recognize that no matter what happened, you've co-created the situation, whether it's your beliefs, your shadow beliefs that you come into the relationship with, whatever it is, you've co-created it. And once you can see the co-creation, even a little bit, you get out of the victim mode. So you surrender to what is, you become the observer instead of the reactor to your life. And you get to learn, you know, what, what, you know, what's the lesson here? What am I supposed to be learning? What am I supposed to be doing? How can I look at this differently? How can I reframe what happened? How do I make it work for me and understand that it didn't happen to me? It happened for me. And you can't do that when you're in the victim mode because you're so stuck there that there's no movement. You're in resistance. It's like going upstream, you know, like the salmon going upstream instead of going with the flow, you're going against it. So you have to accept and surrender that even though it's not what you chose, it's what you've gotten. And this is where you are. And now what do you do? You know, how do you move from here? And I had support. I had a coach, you know, when I first was getting separated, I had a therapist, but, you know, as I moved on, I actually ended up getting a coach and I think coaches are much more action oriented and one for us. And um, I got to really see how I co-created this and how I was going to move forward from it. And it is, I mean, you do accept accountability for how you how you gave maybe positive or negative um, direction in that relationship. But at first you're reeling. I mean, 
what were you missing? And I'm just going back to this divorce because 26 years, I mean, looking back, do you realize that you were missing something when you said you were oblivious? You thought it was perfect. We're living a great life. And then boom, he outgrew me. Were there things you missed? Yeah, it was a little different. His mom, and not to go into his, his dirt, but his mom was manic depressive and we didn't know it. And she had this huge episode and what came out was that he that she had been um, taken away in a in a straitjacket when he was younger, mm. twice, and he buried his whole childhood. So that's how narcissists are born. Like there's a separation with your mother figure or mm. your early on life, and there's like a crack that happens, and then you go on with your life and something happens like a midlife crisis and it brings you back to that crack and that's where you are. So I basically psychologically lost the man I had. And um, when he, his memory came back, he now was in this narcissistic, you know, personality and he did not want to be stuck with somebody like he believed his father was. I mean, his parents were married for like 70 years and his father loved the mother, but from his point of view, he did not want to get stuck with somebody that was his age that someday he supposedly was going to have to take care of. Well, here I am, like nobody's taking, I don't need taking care of, right? I'm 65 years old. I'm a powerhouse of a woman. And, but he married somebody two years older than my son because that's what he needed, right? That's what he needed. So I could be a lot of things, but I couldn't be that. So that's, that I didn't see. Oh, that I couldn't have seen. What I didn't see was that he told me that he wanted to love somebody someday as much as I loved him. And what I saw in the years later was when you overgive and you overlove and you overdo, you you become you disappear. You're there's no fight. There's no give and take. There's no, you know, men love to be hunters. I became boring. And I probably overloved him. And then he felt like, oh, wow, I don't love her that way. I mean, I don't actually think, you know, he's necessarily capable of loving that way. But I do think that that contributed to me not being um, him losing interest. He might have lost it anyway. Either way, I know that I don't go, I don't overgive anymore. Mm-hmm. Not that I don't love, but I make myself a priority always. Mm-hmm. And that makes me more powerful. Doesn't make me selfish. It just makes me more standing on my own. And I love that. And I'm fascinated by this, the whole personality disorder of narcissism, not fascinated in like an obsessed way, if you will. But (laughs) I just wrapped up a summit with Dr. Sherry Campbell, who's an expert on cutting ties with toxic people. So I've been, I've been kind of studying the whole personality disorder of narcissism. And typically don't they prey upon individuals that are weak, if you will, do you feel like you were like a you were more willing to mold to his life than he to yours. Totally. Yeah. But I had, well, yes and no. I was emotionally the stronger of the two of us. Mm -hmm. I was the, I always brought the emotional support and balance to him and to me. Mm -hmm. Um, But 
I made my life around him. Like my girlfriends used to say to me, you put him on such a high pedestal and he believes his own crap now. Right. So I don't do. So I think that that was all part of it. Uh, I didn't, he wasn't narcissistic the first 25 years of our marriage. Really? No, because it doesn't happen until he uncovered that memory, which broke free that whole situation. Wow. So traumatic, traumatic, yes, a life shattered, meaning yours, you're there to pick up the pieces, probably not feeling that you were at your highest point in your life. Oh, no, my lowest point. So how do you pick up the pieces and where do you go from here? And now Nancy says she's 65, although she looks at least two decades younger. So I'm not quite sure she is. (laughs) I need to, I need to check your ID girl. Um, Mm -hmm. But how do you pick up the pieces? So many women I talk to are are going through divorces, really toxic relationships, and they just keep going back or it's fine. You know, there's always something holding them back or limiting their truest potential. Because they have yet to uncover their childhood beliefs that are in their subconscious. They're very disempowering. We refer to them as shadow beliefs. Something happens in your childhood. For me, I put myself on fire playing with a lighter when I was five years old. And I didn't know until I was 45 years old that I had made a belief that I wasn't safe alone. So when you think about it, that was the perfectly logical belief for a five-year-old who had just put herself on fire. And all these beliefs are made to protect us when we're children. And it did protect me. I had a lot of friends. I've always been in a relationship. I worked really hard at being the best girlfriend, the best wife, because I had that underlying belief. But when I got divorced, it kept me stuck because I was so afraid to be on my own. Once I uncovered that belief with my coach, I was empowered. I was like, wait, I'm 45 years old. I'm financially secure. I'm healthy. I'm athletic. I can, my kids are grown. I can do anything. I don't need to be afraid. It changed on a dime. So we all have these beliefs. And so where there's ever, there's a discrepancy between what you say you want and what you're getting. Believe me, there's a belief underneath that. I'm not worthy. I'm broken. My needs don't matter. My voice doesn't matter. I have to be perfect to be loved. Um, I have to control everything to be safe. I mean, they're endless of beliefs, but they actually keep us small. And until we uncover them, we can't make the changes that we want to make. So, I mean, without your failures, and I absolutely, and I know you'll agree, without our failures, we don't move forward in anything. And that you're obsessed with growth. I mean, it just aligns with that and making your mess, your message. So what was the onus in terms of writing this book? I mean, bigger, better, braver, international bestseller, just how do you go from living kind of a small life? And I'm not meaning mm-hmm. that in a, a negative way or to upset you, but I think it is what it is. You know, you were contained in a life with what you thought was your peak performance or your best life. And then you were unable to make the choice because the choice was made for you that no, your life is going to be different. How do you come to reconcile all this and then become a best-selling international author? Well, first of all, it's an evolution. It didn't happen overnight. 
Um, I used to, I owned a personal training gym for 16 years. So being, a, being in the coaching world was not new to me. And then um, I, I read one of Debbie Ford's books. I'm a Debbie Ford coach called The Spiritual Divorce. And that's actually right from starting to read that book. I thought I'm going to get myself a spiritual divorce coach and I'm going to become one. It's now called Healing Your Heart. But um, so that's one of my certifications is Healing Your Heart. And so I first became a coach and I did that for, you know, I've been a coach now, a master coach. I have like seven certifications and um, I mentor for the last eight years. I've been mentoring other coaches to become coaches. And so that was an evolution. And then when I turned 60, I wanted to do something to prove to myself that like it was just an, a number. And I went and climbed Kilimanjaro. And that was like a really inspirational move for me. And it just sort of got me to thinking, like, what is other people's Kilimanjaro? Like, what's your Mount Kilimanjaro? It doesn't have to be climbing 19,341 feet, but it could be leaving your relationship or leaving your job or getting into a relationship or whatever it is, you know, going out to dinner alone, whatever bigger, better, braver meant to you. And so I just really, and the other thing that made me want to write the book is that not everybody can afford a life coach but everybody can afford my book. And so my book is a step-by-step -step how to live bigger, better, braver with exercises and meditations and chapters on shadow beliefs and underlying commitments and getting out of autopilot. And everything I do in my coaching world, I now have a book and then I have an online course and then I have a 12-week Zoom course and then I have my one-on-one -on -one coaching. So I've made available my philosophies and my work and my tools and strategies for anybody on any budget. That's why I did it. It's the mission, girl. It's your life's purpose. And you bury the lead, Miss Nancy, <laughs> 60 years old, climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. Okay. And what is your Mount Kilimanjaro? I just think that is amazingly icebreaking question, icebreaker for a question, but, and so many people use the age to limit themselves as well. That's a narrative in their head saying I'm right. 60. I can't start over. I can't go back to school. I'm relegated to retirement. And I love Florida. Don't get me wrong, but Florida, you know, and you, here you are this badass climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. And I don't know if I could climb Mount Kilimanjaro right now. I mean, I will now that I put that out to the universe, but yeah. <laughs> quite honestly, we all limit ourselves and you're so good. You are, ourselves. you are an example of what we all should be doing in life. I say to myself, if I can't, I must, right. If I'm afraid, like I've been asked to build this course for Jen connect you and they're, and then they're connected to LinkedIn learning and of course, my first thing was like, oh, I'm not big enough for this, right? I can't do this. That's for bigger coaches than me. And then I thought, well, wait a minute, they asked me to do this. So the only thing stopping me is my own imposter syndrome on the back of my shoulder. And I know that the moment I step in and I build the course, I am that. And so that's really like age is just a number. I'm just going and going and going and saying yes, whenever I can and stepping in, you know, you're never going to get into a fearless state. I think people think 
that other people are more successful because they're not afraid. Well, that's not true. People are always afraid. We just step in anyway, and we don't quit. So success happens when you step in and you don't quit, and eventually you get there. Wow. Step in, don't quit, you get there. Mount Kilimanjaro, you know, just having your life turned upside down and deciding that this was not your fate. We think we're not in control of things. The one thing we are in control of is our mindset. And you are a living example of that. And I mean, what advice as we wrap up, what advice do you have for people that are really feeling paralyzed by their next step in life? Uh, get a coach would be the first thing. Get a coach. Everybody. I get agree. A <laughs> um, I think that everybody needs somebody to help them stay accountable, help them see what they're not seeing, not collude with them in their story, but help them move beyond their story, uncover what's keeping them stuck. And, you know, nobody gets to the Olympics without a coach, right? We just all saw, I mean, you know, that's really an interesting last minute thing is that I used to think that like these athletes, they're just born with like this unbelievable talent, but really they step in and they're more willing to be in more pain than anybody else I know. And that's how they get there. So they, they stick with it. They give up everything else. And they're willing to be in more pain than the rest of us are. And that's how they get to stand up on that podium. So get off the couch, step in, and get comfortable with being uncomfortable. I love that. I adore you. Everybody, go grab your copy of Bigger, Better, Braver. And go grab yourself a coach. It's life-changing. It is. Thank you, Nancy. And we are obsessed with you. And obsessors start getting obsessed with your life.